We're in a series called Stories from the Seats, where we uh, ask uh, individuals from our congregation to come and share how God has worked in their lives. And so I'm going to invite Bob up. He's with us from Cedar Falls. And uh, I asked his wife this morning, Sarah, I said, Sarah, what should I say about him? And uh, she had so much good to say, I can't even begin to tell you about it. So I'm going to just let uh, Bob share his story with us. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Uh, Honestly, public speaking isn't my thing, so... uh... But I was honored when Dave asked me to tell my story. After thought and prayer, I decided even if there was only one person I could impact for God, then my decision was clear. But for those of you that know me and for those of you that don't, generally speaking, humor is a way of life for me. Throughout my life, humor and laughter feels far better than anger and sadness. So bear with me as I start from the beginning. I was born May 17, 1974. For those of you trying to do the math, I'm 37 years old. My parents were James and Catherine Hennessy. I grew up in a small town in northeast Iowa. I have three brothers and two sisters, with my oldest uh, sibling being 21 years older. Nine days after I was born, my father died of a massive heart attack. Quite obvious, I never knew my father. My mother had already beaten breast cancer before I was born. My mother was hardworking and a very caring person. We were poor, didn't have much, but at that time I didn't know the difference. We grew up in a very strict Catholic family. You went to church every Saturday night, whether you liked it or not. I can remember our routine every Saturday night. Go to church, come home, eat wienerwinks, pigs in a blanket, and then get to watch the Lawrence Welk show. Oh boy. I attended Catholic school for my first six years which was an interesting time. I can remember those nuns whacking the the back of my hand with a ruler. I didn't like those nuns much. No offense to anyone. Even though I didn't have a dad, I thought my childhood was pretty normal. There were times of the year that were tough. Every Father's Day, all the other kids made a card for their dad, and I got to make one for a brother or an uncle. At that time, I remember asking God, Why are you doing this to me? I felt as though God never answered. Sports became very important to me. I could drown everything out if I was playing some kind of sport. When I was 11 years old, I remember my mom having a terrible cough. She had this cough for a very long time. She was in and out of the hospital, and no one could figure out what was going on. We finally made it to Mayo. They found the cancer in mom's lung. They thought they could do a procedure, and she would be okay. I remember sitting in the waiting room up at Mayo and the doctor coming into the room and telling all of us kids that your mom had cancer all over her body and there was nothing they could do. They were giving her at top six months to live. I was only 11, but I knew what was going on. I remember running out to the bathroom, locking the door behind me. The same question came to me again. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to a little boy? Again, I felt like God never answered. It was at this point that my relationship with God started to fade away. My mom soon came home, and it was only my brother, 13, and myself, 11, living at home. Mom was going through radiation and chemo treatments. She kept getting weaker and weaker every day. I helped my mom eat, bathe, and took her to the bathroom. I remember lying in bed one night crying, asking God, what have I done? so bad to deserve this. 
No one else I know has to go through this. Why would God do this to a little boy? I felt no answer from above. I was also questioning why my older brothers and sisters were making me do this stuff. And to this day, I still question it. One night, my brother was sitting on the edge of mom's bed, and out of nowhere, mom said she could hear dad calling her name, saying it was time to come home. That was very hard to hear from my brother. Eventually, my mom had a massive stroke. Oh, yeah. Guess who found her? Me, when she hadn't gotten me up for school. The ambulance came, and she was hospitalized. February 16, 1987, about 9 p.m., we were all sitting in Mom's hospital room, and it was time to leave. Every other night, I would give Mom a kiss and a hug and tell her I loved her before leaving. But this night, I didn't. Three of us brothers were walking out, and something hit me at the main door of the hospital, which turned me around, and I went back to Mom's room and gave her a big kiss and hug and told her that I'll always love her. That was the last time I saw my mom alive. February 17th, 1987, 5 a.m. in the morning. I can still hear the phone ring. We all knew what it was. Our mom had died. Now I'm 12 years old, and I, didn't, and I don't have a mom or a dad. After we buried mom, I remember feeling so much anger at God. One day I went into a big field behind our house, knelt down on my knees, hands in the air, saying, God, why did you do this to me? With no answer, I told God I was done with him, and I'm, I told God I was done with him, and I'm going to get by on my own. Shortly after my mom died, my grandma died. I was so mad at God. Now, no mom, dad, grandma, or grandpa. The two most important women in my life were gone, and for some reason, I thought I was the cause. It was at this point I told myself I was never going to get close to another female. No girl, wife, children, no one. Because if I did, they would die. My foundation was in a sinkhole, and I was building walls all around me to protect myself from God, people, everything. I bounced around from house to house, town to town, with other siblings. By the time I was 14, my brother and I were living back in our home. However, now we were by ourselves. Everyone knew this, but nobody did anything about it. We didn't have much, but we were doing fine on our own. I remember people bringing food to our house, but we would hide and pretend no one was home because we didn't want any pity. We were fine on our own. I remember not having much food in the house besides Brownswalker. So I got on my bike and pedaled to a pond that was a couple miles away, caught some fish, and ate them for supper. Now at that time I didn't really care, but as I grew older I kept asking God, why are you doing this to me? Again I heard no answer. My high school years were okay. I didn't have a curfew, really didn't have any direction. I didn't do my homework, I just got by. Sports were still very important to me. But I had such a bad attitude, I quit everything and started drinking and partying all the time. I got in some trouble, but not as much as you would think. However, looking back, 
we probably shouldn't have stolen that car. I wasn't driving. It was during these years I can remember having a reoccurring dream that I still have to this day of walking into a restaurant, looking out, and seeing my family around a table. And all I saw were girls, but I couldn't see their faces. I will get back to that. I also remember people telling me, you won't graduate, you will never go to college, you will never make anything of yourself. Well, I did graduate, and I did make it to college, and I have three degrees to prove it. I will leave it in your minds what I said to all those people who said I couldn't do it. Oh, my college years. They were fun. I didn't like class much, but the partying was awesome. But for a kid that didn't have parents at home, I remember feeling homesick and found comfort in returning back to my childhood home. Still very angry with God, I still believed, but there was no relationship with him. I was lost. I didn't go to church. I didn't pray or even talk to him. The foundation that I had at this time was deeper in that same sinkhole with tight brick walls all the way around me. Nobody was getting in, and I wasn't letting anything out. For many years of my life, I didn't cry, showed no emotion. I thought I was a rock, and God wasn't going to break me. One day I met this girl at UNI. She was good-looking and pretty nice. We slowly got to know each other, and I knew she had the hots for me. So. I lost my spot here. Okay. <laughs> this girl named Sarah really interested me. I felt myself breaking my own rule, getting close to a girl. Although there was one problem, this girl was what I considered a Bible beater at the time but she was still pretty cool. Our relationship grew as friends, and when I finally got the nerve to ask her out, she said no. She was moving to attend college in Davenport and didn't want to be in a relationship. I thought to myself, this girl is crazy in the head. We grew apart, and I didn't talk, talk to her or see her for about two years. During those two years, I continued college, got a good job, and was living with a bunch of guys. Parting was still a big part of my life. Still, no relationship with God. One day I got a phone call, and it was Sarah. She started talk. We started talking like nothing ever changed. I knew she still wanted me. <laughs> she was still a Bible beater. And what I mean about being a Bible beater is she was in the Word, and she was grounded in her faith. But I wasn't going to get caught up in that. Remember that brick wall that was around me? It started to crumble some. I let God start working. We began dating. These were some of the happiest times I can remember. I had so many negative things in my life. But when Sarah showed up, she gave me hope. We always lived a couple hours apart. So long conversations were the norm. Some of these conversations were about our faith. As we grew close. As we grew closer, we decided we were going to find a church that was right for us. Before we were married, we both knew that religion was going to be a big issue for my family. When I called home and told all my brothers and sisters I was getting married, my oldest brother said, no, you're not. She's a Lutheran, and you can't marry a Lutheran. Well, I told him to blank. 
I can't say those words in church. <laughs> we were married November 1st, 1997. I broke my rule. By the way, Sarah married up when she married me. <laughs> we moved to Newton and were there for about eight years. Now you have to remember that I had been a bachelor since I was 12. So living up with a girl was very new to me. There were times I wanted to kill her. For example, I would put a rug down and she would come behind me and move it where she wanted it. That didn't go over too well. We finally got that worked out. Sarah wanted to find a church that we both liked, not Catholic or Lutheran. I knew, it this, I knew that this was our decision, but it was, I still found it hard to be open, but I would try it. I remember one time she took me to this church where people were jumping up and down, shaking on the floor and other things, and to each their own. But remember, I grew up in a Catholic church, so this was a little bit of a different atmosphere. We kept searching. We found an Episcopal church in Newton. People were very friendly, and we were accepted at this church. I was still upset with God, still had a lot of questions, but my heart was starting to open some. I was praying to God and even just talking with him some. We had some tough years in our marriage. I was traveling the country for my job and wasn't home much. Still in the partying mode, I made some bad choices that hurt our marriage. I wasn't sure if we would make it. God must have been there with us to get us through that rough time. It was at this time I was offered a job with the Newton Fire Department, the job I had wanted for a long time. My partying days were slowing down some. Life wasn't perfect, but it seemed that we had, were more settled. Sarah and I had talked about having a baby, another one of my rules I was breaking. I remember thinking that I might not be a good father. because I didn't have a father and wasn't sure how a father should act. It was hard to get pregnant at first, but we practiced a lot, and eventually we got pregnant. It was during this time that prayer and faith took on a deeper meaning for me. Instead of shutting down like I was used to during struggles, I turned to God in prayer. Then we got the phone call that we needed to come down to the doctor's office as soon as possible. Doctor said that one of Sarah's blood tests was way elevated, and he thought she was having an ectopic pregnancy. Talking about emotional roller coaster, I remember saying to God, don't do this to me again. Doctor wanted to do an ultrasound before we ended the pregnancy, and thank God we did. The reason that the test was way elevated was because there were two little miracles in there. I saw God's answer this time while going from ending, ending the pregnancy to having twins. Soon we had another ultrasound and found out we were having two little girls. Oh my gosh, wasn't quite sure about all girls. I remember thinking back when I was little saying, I'm not having anything to do with girls, and now I'm going to have three in my house. God works in mysterious ways. Nine months of a sick life. Does anyone know what pup's rash is? Well, it's nonstop itching 24-7. How about acid reflux? We had to sleep with the bed elevated 
so an elevated bed and getting elbowed in the side every 15 minutes wasn't very pleasurable, but it was worth it. Overall, my relationship with God was getting better. On April 15, 2003, 8.44 p.m., Emma Catherine was born weighing 4 pounds, 10 ounces, and 17 and a half inches long. And at 9.07 p.m., <clears throat> Rachel Catherine was born weighing 4 pounds and 17 inches long. The next few months of blessing were very hard. Sarah was very sick from the pregnancy, so taking care of her and our two little beauties was a challenge. But we got through it with the help of Sarah's mom, great family, and friends, and of course God. Remember me saying that I wasn't going to get close to any girls? God thought different. I remember getting up every hour and a half, feeding girls, changing diapers, not getting much sleep. I didn't have a father to take care of me. So I was going to try and be the best father I could possibly be. For the next year, life was good. We had a healthy family, good jobs, and a good church. Emma and Rachel were about 15 months old when God blessed us with another pregnancy. This pregnancy wasn't as bad for Sarah. And on April 15, 2005, our beautiful baby Grace Elizabeth was born at 7.57 a.m., weighing in at 7 pounds, 14 ounces, 19 and a half inches long. And yes, all three of our girls were born on the same day. God blessed us once again. I, can, I continued getting up, changing diapers and feeding girls in the middle of the night and just loving my family. At this time, it quickly became obvious that Newton wasn't home. Grandma couldn't keep driving to and from work for two hours each way. We wanted to get back to the Cedar Valley area, close to family and friends. In 2005, I received, I received a phone call from the Waterloo Fire Department for a job. Our prayers were answered again. We moved to Denver in October 2005. We searched for a church and had heard great things about Orchard Hill, so we decided to visit. We knew this was the church we wanted. We attended Orchard Hill for approximately two years before becoming members. Our family loves this church. I remember when I was a kid, I had to go to church. I never asked to go. Not long ago, Gracie came up to me and asked, when do we get to go back to church? Because I love it. That put a big smile on my face, and I was very proud and excited when she said that. My walls have continued to crumble, and I certainly want my girls to know the truth and promises of God. Now I know I have a guardian angel, because that angel is my wife. If it wasn't for Sarah and God breaking down my walls, my faith wouldn't be where it's at, and I know I wouldn't be standing here today. I would probably still be stuck in that same sinkhole with those big brick walls all the way around me. This woman has gone through a lot with me. She has stuck by me in the worst of times. No one has ever supported me like Sarah has. Since the first day I met her, she always has said, she's always said you could do anything you want. I love her dearly. To wrap this story up, life isn't fair. 
But God never promised that. God promises that he will never leave us. I know God had a plan for me from the beginning. I didn't agree with the plan when I was younger. I thought God wasn't answering my questions. But maybe I wasn't listening or I refused to listen. There are still a lot of questions that I have. I'm sure one day I will have all the answers when I can sit down and talk with God one-on-one. But until then, God has blessed me in so many ways. Remember that dream that I had when I was a kid about walking into a restaurant and seeing all my girls around a table, but I couldn't see their faces? God answered my dream because now I can see the faces of all my girls at the table. To this day, when I walk into a restaurant and see my family, I think back of that dream. God answered in a big way when he blessed me with three beautiful girls in a loving life. And from someone that grew up without both of my parents, I want to live out every moment that I am given with our girls, and I encourage all of you to do the same. I believe I have two foundations. One foundation when I was younger, and another foundation with Sarah and the girls. My foundation with my ladies is very strong. I hope and pray with God's help that continues. Do I say as to assume that I am now perfect or my faith story my faith story is complete? Absolutely not. I am a work in progress. So wherever you are in your story, be patient and listen for God's calling. Here is a Bible verse that I believe reflects my life. Psalm chapter 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This church has been a blessing to me. The leadership class that Sarah and I took forced me to reevaluate my life and faith journey. Before this, I never opened up to anyone besides Sarah. I trust and pray that God will use my story to remind each of you that God is always near in suffering and in joy. Be open to let him tear down your walls, whatever they may be. Heavenly Father, uh, your ways are not our ways. They are mysterious, as Bob has uh, shared with us and testified. Here, you took a man who built up walls, and you had better plans, and you tore those walls down one by one, those bricks off his wall, and, and he may have more bricks to come down, but he knows that you're the one that can take them down. And so, Father, I pray that you continue to bless Bob and Sarah and the girls as they continue to build on this great foundation they have in you. And I pray for anyone else in the room who resonated with parts of the story, not having parents or feeling lonely or making poor decisions, that uh, uh, they would be encouraged to know that uh, you always have our back, that you're always there, and you do have a great plan for us. And now, Father, I just pray for Bob that uh, you continue to make him be the strong man that he is, and even stronger every day uh, to serve his family and to ultimately serve you. Uh, Father, thanks for empowering Bob to share his story with us. That's ultimately your story. And we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.